You're listening to Leveling Up, where we'll show you how to win at the game of life and business. It's time to power up your skills through life gamification with your host, Eric Sue. All right, everyone. Today, we've got Alex Taub, who is the co-founder of Upstream and then also founder of Illuminati NFT. And I'm also, co- also co-founder of Illuminati NFT. Okay. Got it. I, I was thinking about that, but I was I went for founder. Two, anyway. two more people. There's right. one other person on Upstream and two people on Illuminati. Perfect. So co-founder of both. And so I actually met Alex at a Board Ape Yacht Club dinner. So I mean, you know, you've heard on this podcast, Neil Knight will talk about the power of kind of networking. And this ape has been probably the most handy NFT that I've had in terms of being connected with amazing people. Turns out, there you go. There's Alex's ape for those of you that can see on video. But Alex is great. I mean, he's accomplished in the tech world. And, you know, I could tell immediately, you know, just meeting founders that are into NFTs, you know, it's becoming more popular, but it's still kind of rare at the time. So Alex, how's it going? Going well. Thanks for having me. Also, we're both Floridians as well. You forgot to mention that. We are now. That's right. And Alex, where are you from originally? New York, Manhattan. Born and raised in in New York City. There you go. Everyone, I mean, I'm from LA originally. Everyone, you got to come to the Florida. I don't get to shill it too much on the pod, but here we are shilling it. So Alex, let's start off with your background a little bit first, because it goes beyond upstream and Illuminati. So tell us what your story is, and then we'll jump into the two things you're working on right now. Yeah, sure. So born and raised in New York, always interested in tech. Right out of school, I joined a company called Aviary. It was a photo editing company. They basically built a photo editing API. So anytime you uploaded a photo on any website, you'd probably be using Aviary's editing software. So everyone like Photobucket, Flickr, Twitter, Squarespace, you know, MailChimp, everyone used this editing. You basically would integrate an editing button into your app. So I did partnerships and business development there from 2010 to 2012. The company ended up getting acquired after I left by Adobe. But in 2012, I joined a company called Dewalla. It was a payment startup based in Iowa. And Dewalla was one of the first forays into crypto. So when I joined, Bitcoin was about under five bucks. My co-founder, Michael Schoenfeld and I, we joined together. We wanted to work on something together. We didn't have any great ideas at the time. So we ended up joining, you know, Bitcoin, my co-founder was mining and it was just an interesting thing. So we joined. Dewalla was like one of the ways you got money into Bitcoin. It was like sort of like Coinbase before Coinbase existed. So you'd fund your Dewalla account, move it to BitInstant, BitStamp, Mt. Gox, all those fun places. And that was a wild ride. Sort of, you know, when it went to like 50 bucks, we thought we were all rich. <laughs> Little did we know. And then it was there from 2012, 2014. And then left and started a company with Michael called Social Rank, a social media analytics company. It was basically one of the best Twitter and Instagram like audience segmentation tools. Now you'd probably call it like a creator tool. But at the time, it was just like Twitter analytics, Instagram analytics. Ended up after Cambridge Analytica scandal sort of went supernova. We realized it just wasn't like a long-term business here. We, we just couldn't control the data. So we ended up putting it on autopilot for a while, started thinking of new ideas, ended up selling it in 2019. And in our customers were like the NBA, the NFL, Netflix, Samsung, L'Oreal, Barack, Ellen DeGeneres. Those are a pretty awesome, awesome group of customers. And we're doing like, you know, almost 100K in MRR. But so we ended up selling it and we went all in on, on upstream. And the high level of what upstream is, is, you know, when we started, it was, you know, what would a sort of a next gen professional network look like? What would a group's product for professionals look like? You know, we just, we didn't feel like there was, you know, Discord was getting really popular and it just didn't feel like there was a, and like Discord at the time was just for gamers. We didn't feel like there was a Discord for professionals. So we built it. and. You started right in the beginning of like COVID is when it started taking off and, you know, virtual communities. And it was like, what would LinkedIn groups look like? 
if it started today and like it looked like professional communities and then when COVID started it looked like virtual events and and sort of these like 30 minute sort of power events where like the first 15 minutes you sort of listen to someone speak the last 15 minutes you like break out into one-on-ones and meet people anyway long story short is really took off during COVID because it was like hey come join my business development community you're like all right maybe I will maybe I won't I don't know I don't have really any sense of pressure or any sense of urgency to do it but if I say, hey, you know, come and join my business development community because the, you know, next week I have the VP of business development for Airbnb coming to speak, it just creates more of a sense of urgency. And it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, actually I do want to come. So that ended up taking off. And then I could stop here, but it sort of leads into what we're doing now. I don't yeah. know if you want me to keep going. No, no, keep it going. Yeah. All right. So this past sub, well, one of the most popular communities on Upstream. So we have everything from like the future of work community. Miami tech community, business development community, et cetera. One of the most popular communities, obviously, is the NFT community. So I started with a guy named Drew Austin. He runs a fund called Redbeard Ventures, great guy. And we ended up starting with NBA Top Shot, did a few events on Upstream about NBA Top Shot in like December, January, 2021. And then we're like, all right, let's meet every Friday at one o'clock and let's just like shoot the shit on like stuff. So we ended up doing that. And the long and short of it, is we is like if you came every Friday and we've done oh, about a year now of doing it. If you came every Friday, you absolutely crushed it. Like we talked about apes when they were minting. We were we had like you know executives at Zedon. We've had Gutter Cat. We've had Pixel Vault. I mean you know blue chips right now that that really if you came and you listened, you did really well. At least financially. I don't know how you did personally, but at least financially you did well. So what we ended up doing was well. What ended up happening was in the summer, I caught up with a friend. Well, now she's a friend, but at the time we were just meeting. I was giving her my backstory and telling you how we were early in crypto and all this stuff. And she was like, sort of silly question, but like, why aren't you guys doing anything in blockchain and crypto now? You know, and I was like, that's not, that's, not, that's not the stupidest question I've heard. Let me think about it. And my co-founder and I went to the drawing board a little bit. And we said, okay, what is the community web three? What is the community blockchain play? Very quickly, it was pretty obvious that it was it was DAOs. It was, you know, and for those that don't aren't familiar with DAOs and what DAOs are, you know, they stand for decentralized autonomous organization. But the best way to understand it is imagine you pool money together with a bunch of friends or people you don't know, and then you make proposals on how to use that money and you vote on it. And that's really it. And then you take action based on the vote. So imagine you ever you and nine friends put a hundred dollars in a bank account. So now you have a thousand bucks, and then you make proposals on what to do with that money. It's essentially what a DAO is. So where we started to dig into DAOs and try to understand the landscape of DAOs. And what we realized was starting a DAO, like, so we try to start and join as many DAOs as we could. We found that starting a DAO was really difficult. If you wanted to start a DAO, you essentially, it was sort of like building like a website in the 1990s. Like you could do it. It was just like sort of complicated and probably need to hire someone to do it for you. So there's like, you know, unless you know Solidity and you're a competent developer or can teach yourself Solidity, like it's just not easy to sort of launch a smart contract. And then the second thing is even once you started the DAO, actually running the DAO. So that experience is very fragmented. You'd be using a bunch of different tools, like something like Aragon for governance and Snapshot for voting and Juicebox for treasury and, you know, Collabland for token gating and Discord for community communication. And it just became a very like fragmented experience. So we just felt like, there was this really big opportunity to build a, you know, sort of low or no code, sort of full stack down a box. So we built it, launched it mid-November, and it's been growing really fast. And it's been pretty exciting. 
Cool. Yeah. So can you share, I mean, so upstream, I mean, you know, how do you guys, I mean, how does it work exactly? How do you guys price and all that? And then we can jump into the down the box. Yeah. So upstream, the general product is free. Startup community is free. We take 2% on all contributions. We don't call them DAOs. We call them collectives. They're very deliberately. We feel like the word DAO, DAO is a little bit loaded. Taking a sort of playbook out of like Dapper Labs where they, they never use the word NFT. They talk about collectibles. We also found out recently that Dapper Labs has their own DAO thing that they're working on and they call them collectives as well. So mm-hmm. I feel like we're in good company, but we did come up with it before we knew about it. <laughs> and anyway, long story short is we take 2% on all contributions into the collective. So you put in a hundred bucks, we take $2 out of that, but it's an ongoing thing. It's just when you contribute into the collective DAO. Got it. So it sounds like, correct me if I'm wrong here. So upstream is for forming collectives. It's also for collective discovery as well, right? Yeah. You know, that's an interesting question. You know, we noticed a few things since starting. There's a handful of DAOs now. You can't just like create one and launch one in two seconds. We're pretty hands-on with like vetting, making sure we know what they're doing, et cetera. We're noticing two types of experiences that people want. One is like a sort of a group chat with a wallet type of experience. So it's like, hey, I've got like 10 friends running a group chat together. We want to pull money together. Sort of like a little bit of an investment club. And then the second is like NFT projects that have like, let's say you have, uh, you know, flaming flamingos or fuzzy flamingos and you sell a million dollars worth of fuzzy flamingos and you say, hey, 10% of the, the mint is going to go into the community DAO. And then like to actually execute on that is pretty tricky or using a bunch of different things. So now you'd be able to like bring over the treasury and let everyone just vote with their NFT. So there's like, some interesting things here where we're basically building a lot of like the the infrastructure and tooling for these type of communities. So those are the two really interesting ones. So that that's what we're seeing in terms of like of use cases right now. Got it. Yeah. I, I mean, in the crypto world right now, I, I think the, the buzzword is, is community. It's, it's suddenly this popular word. And so it's because you guys are like a community product, I guess, what can you share around the business right now in terms of how it's growing, whatever you're comfortable sharing? Yeah, of course. So I think the reason why we're in a really good position here with the DAO stuff is, first of all, there's no leader in the space. There's a few companies that have come out trying to sort of uh, take a chomp and try to, you know, hey, I raised a bunch of money and we're going to be the next big thing. But the thing is, like, that's not how to do it. You have to have the usage. You know what I mean? Like OpenSea is OpenSea because they have, you know, $5 billion this past month, you know? So, you know, Dapper Labs is Dapper Labs because they onboarded you know, everyone into crypto. Coinbase is Coinbase because they have got millions of people. And obviously they also raise a ton of money, but the leader in the DAO space is not based on how much money you've raised, but it's based on actual usage. So the fact that there's no leader in the space is really interesting. And I think us coming from it from a community angle, because I think a lot of the other players out there are coming in from more of like a DeFi crypto angle, which is fine. It's great. And by the way, this space is so big, there's going to be so many winners. But coming from it from a community angle, I think is something really special. And I think is is actually the winning formula. So in terms of like our usage right now, I mean, right now we internally, our goal was when we launched in mid-November, our expectations were like, okay, we think this is exciting, but let's tamper our expectations. The goal is to have 100K in the treasuries by the end of the year. We ended up having about 600K in the treasury. By the end of January, we had 1.8 million. And, you know, February is not done. And also like, it's funny, we had 1.8 million by the end of January. <laughs> also the Ethereum like split in half, like in the middle of the month. So we would have been up like 600% a month instead of 300%. That being said, we're over 2 million. I, I don't know the exact number. It really depends on 
the value of the money being, you know, the ETH. I think we're going to start looking at an ETH because that is the number that keeps going up. It just depends on what ETH is worth on any given day. But it's growing really quick. And we also have a lot of DAOs like waiting to be brought on. We're only allowing basically one or two DAOs a week to come on. And that's going to start scaling up very soon. And when you say treasury, is that your guys' treasury or treasury in aggregate? Uh, I'm saying treasury across all the collectives. Okay, cool. Yeah, so that's that's pretty significant. Yeah, no, like imagine you have 10 people who join your little investment club and each one puts in two ETH. You know, that's 20 ETH and you go from there. Got it. Cool. So, I mean, this might lead into Illuminati a little bit, but usually because this is a marketing does, podcast, yeah. my question is, is how are you marketing upstream right now? And then, you know, feel free to do what you want with this question. Yeah. You know, we have some news coming out in the next few weeks. And right now, the big goal is to make everything as self-serve as possible. So putting ourselves in a position, I don't know when this is going to come out. I'm just curious, like, does it come out right away? Does it <laughs> might take a couple of weeks? Yeah. Okay. That's fine. That's great. So this might be out by the time, but like there's some pretty big news coming out. We've got some good things coming through. The next phase for us is getting everything like sort of that you don't need to talk to us if you want to launch the DAO. And once that happens, we want to blow it out of the water. We want to go make a blitz, not just from like press and announcements, but just like across the board, everything from when you're searching how to start a DAO, wanting to like get that user experience that like, it's just really easy to do it. Like the reason why NBA Top Shot took off and the whole NFT space took off in general is because it was just like very familiar. It was very sort of accessible. So that's the big goal right now is making this stuff accessible and easy to use. And, And that also means not only just doing Ethereum. I mean, we, you know, one of the things I, I want to do, and this is probably not going to be out by the time this comes out, but is like, you know, partner with something like a MoonPay and let you come in with USD and convert it into Ethereum. There's a lot of plays like that that, that could be really interesting. So a big part of our stuff is like, you know, the events we've been doing around education on crypto, how to set up your wallet, what is this, what is that, continuing to do that and build this like media arm, and then also have like the best in class sort of DAO product. And that's how we're sort of approaching the marketing side of the world. Got it. I love that. Yeah, you guys have been doing with the events and all that. You bring in influencers. So that, for lack of a better word, I mean, that's collaborations. And then you're getting cool people that are, you know, people that are interesting in the crypto space doing DAOs to get them to use upstream. So that's smart. And then also, I guess, you know, I get poo-poo, you know, from launching an NFT project. What are like, you know, what about the business or whatever, right? So I'm curious, like, why Illuminati while you're running this business? Because it's literally the same question I get. So go for yeah, it. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great question. And it's it's something that like, so the backstory was we were starting to work on the DAO product internally. And I was thinking of like, what can I do? Like I've been doing community my whole life. Like what can I do? to sort of like show the power of it. And I've been thinking, I've, you know, I've been spending the whole year buying NFTs for fun and sometimes for money or for profit, but most times just for fun. <laughs> and anyway, I was like, I want to be on the other side of the table. I want to like, you know, everyone's telling me it's like an exhilarating experience launching your own NFT project. It's like very different than launching a startup. So I wanted to be on the other side. I teamed up with my buddy, Caesar. He brought in his good friend who goes by Process Gray, who's an unbelievable designer. And I was thinking about the concept of a DAO and the concept of, wouldn't it be really cool if you had a project where a lot of the mint money went into a DAO for the community to actually do things? And that's what sort of led to this sort of amazing project. So, and I was like, oh, we can use and be a great example of how to use the DAO stuff on Upstream, but this is like totally separate. And this is like a project I can do with different friends. 
So we ended up coming up with the concept where like 50% of the mint's going to go into the DAO and 50% is going to go to operations and the team and just sort of like, you know, sort of run away with it and try to like, you know, make something really interesting. Honestly, so I'm not a designer. I'm not a super creative person. My responsibilities as the sort of the co-founder in, in involvement is really the DAO stuff. That's my bread and butter. So it's very intertwined with the stuff we're doing at Upstream. It's just separate. But in terms of, you know, like process and Caesar, like they're working on like lore and the whole big ecosystem. We have all this stuff coming. We try to keep it a little secretive. I'm definitely the most like loose lips on the team, but like they have built like their world building right now. And this is like, hey, you own one of these, you're in for a ride. Like I saw some, I got read into some of the stuff recently and it was just like, whoa, like you've built like a whole like universe that is like people don't even have any clue yet. Like this is like, the, obviously the core NFT that everyone bought is important, but there's like so much coming that is like, super exciting that I I just like, I want to say everything, but I can't say anything. But yeah, it's a fun project that is going to be so much more. I mean, like right now we're hiring a full-time person to like basically run, we're calling it a GM because, you know, everyone's joking, GM. Yeah. But like, it's also like, it's sort of like a project operational manager to get everything running, you know, on schedule, because this could be massive. This could be something that is just an unbelievable machine. So we want to do it right, but it's a lot of fun. Honestly, it's just a lot of fun. Yep. Ultimately. That's what I want. I think there's a key thing here. I mean, for the business owners listening to this right now, it's like, I work on the NFT project off hours. And like, really, we only have, we have one person on payroll for it, but other than that, I don't involve anybody else. And the rest is like all mercenaries. Right. And so I'm guessing like people are probably wondering like, okay, Alex, like what's the time commitment? Like, you know, how much do you need to invest to build an NFT project while you're running a business? Like, how do you answer those? It's a great question. I put up a lot of the, the money to like get going. You know, we, it was me, Gray and Caesar to start. Then we brought it, we found this awesome dev shop called Nifty Labs. So there's, they go by Neo and Free Gas on the Discord. They're awesome. I would say use them, but like, don't take them away from us. <laughs> they also work with other people, but I look at them as like part of the founding team. And then there was CJ and Scott who did like websites and some graphic stuff. And then there's Bruce where everyone in the, in the Discord calls Puzzle Daddy. And he does a lot of like the, the lore and the puzzles. And then there was Sydney, she goes by Aussie, and she does everything from Twitter to Discord to sort of all comms, communication, everything. She's amazing. And it's just like, so we had an amazing team. I definitely put up some money to start. There was some money that cost with the whitelist, you know, the whitelist or allow list that everyone's calling it now. There was, you know, we paid the devs, but we also had them part of the team. There was definitely some cost up front to get going. And then time commitment. I mean, listen, I'm one of those people that like, I, if I'm awake, I'm working to some degree besides spending time with my wife and kids. And, you know, I would say mostly nights and weekends is when I would work on it. I found a good balance. You know, we have the stuff I need to focus on for Illuminati is very much in line with upstream stuff. It's like we are, I am dog fooding my own stuff. So I don't look at it as a conflict, but that's because it's my specific duties and role is the DAO inside of the Illuminati NFT. That's funny. And I, that was very purposeful. 
Yeah, I justify it the same way, right? So we own a marketing agency. It's like, well, this is the future of marketing, right? Like you, you got to understand how it works. So, you know, it is what it is. And you guys have traded, I'm looking at OpenSea right now. So 4,300 ETH, that's about $11.5 million in volume. That doesn't include yeah. the initial mint sales. So just FYI, I mean, they're not in it for the money, but this is the power of it is what I want to say. Yeah, and also 50% of it's still sitting in a, in a DAO. Like yep. basically we're finalizing this week and next week basically the the structure and soon people getting a DAO token and be able to sort of come in and get all the fun stuff. So, yeah, you know, a lot like 50% of the stuff is going back to the people. Yep. I love that. And so like, there's the whole road, like there's something else to be said too. Like I, I mentioned this, like we're, we're working towards our launch this weekend. It, it's like, there's something to be said about an NFT project where it has people with operating experience, like that goes so far. And I, I think people just don't have any idea. So if you're listening to this, you're a business owner and you launch a project, I think you, in my opinion, you have a huge leg up over the competition. Yeah, I, w- I would agree. I think it's it's one of those tricky things where like I buy a lot of NFTs. I think every time that I've sold an NFT, like in the beginning and the team was like a legit team, I've always regretted it because honestly, the mint is just the starting. It's like the starting line. And a lot of people think mint is the finish line. It's really the starting line and like the good teams, the operational, like they know how to execute and they will execute. So it's just like, I don't know. I I sort of see it as a good way. Like if you could find out who the team are, like whether they're doxxed or whether they have like some background of like having successful projects, it goes a long way. I mean, listen, you would still miss things like the board apes because no one knew who those people were. They were not doxxed initially. And anyway, so I just think that, you know, having a, a fully doxxed team, you know, for the most part is an advantage. Yep. It also puts our like ourselves on the line. Like, I don't want to disappoint people. So yeah. I'm going to keep working on it. Oh my God, that's huge. I mean, yeah, you look like an idiot if your reputation is on the line, if you screw it up. So Alex, one thing you did really interesting, we're, we're so I had a dinner at Art Basel and then you came up and you brought up a little red bag. And like, so do you want to talk about what happened there and like kind of the results that you saw? Because I think that's an interesting marketing thing. Yeah. Do you want to talk yeah, about that? So Gray, he made these pins and then he got them made. And that that's how he actually launched it. And FTNYC, we just started giving out these pins people and it was like these illuminati pens and people put them on their shirts and their hats and it just started and and a lot of we, we had these little red baggies actually you could see them in the corner over there i have like a few right uh, right right there yep next to the the thing but yeah so we we ended up giving it out to a few people and a lot of those people started tweeting out like hey i think i was inducted into a secret society and just started creating a lot of the lore we also had have the, the twitter handle at truth on twitter and that having that handle also gave us a lot of legitimacy. I've been sitting on that handle for like eight years. So it was a pretty awesome handle to have. But yeah, so we ultimately had this like really interesting like marketing rollout where we, we gave people a physical product and they tweeted about it and it just started becoming like a wildfire. Got it. Did you guys sell out immediately or did it take some time? So we did this like interesting rollout plan where there was like three phases and then a the public mint. Now, if I could do it over, I probably would tighten it up. It was about a month long period where it was like phase one was one week, phase two was one week, phase three was another week. Oh, well, actually, sorry, phase three was only like eight hours. And that's because we smartened up. So phase one, we allow listed a bunch of projects, board apes, punks, cool cats, etc. It was like eight projects. And then we also gave like a random 23 minute period where we opened up the doors that anyone can miss. We didn't give anyone a heads up on it. Or maybe we did the first one, the second one we didn't. We ended up through phase one selling like 1,500 out of the 8,128. Then at phase two, 
we ended up selling another like 1500 or 2000. So we ended up being at like 40% after phase two. The problem was, is we gave people like a week to mint and they're just uh. like, there was no FOMO. There was no urgency. So there's like a trickle of sales, like every day, every day, a few more. And then what we did was just smartened up. It was actually Caesar's idea. And he's like, all right, phase three is to get yourself on the allow list is now, but you can only mint eight hours on January 2nd or January 3rd from noon to 8 p.m. And at 8 p.m., we're going to do a public sale. And then that just created the momentum to like, hey, here's a short period of time. Find your way in. And that just started to explode. And so much so that at seven o'clock, we were on like, or no, like five or six o'clock, we were on path to sell out before the public mint. And this is why now I regret it. But at the time, I thought this was a sound idea is at the time we were like, we want to have a public sale. It's only fair to have a public sale. So we ended up cutting off the mint at, with like 1,200 left. And, I'll t- and we only allowed people to mint two or maybe three. It was two originally and then three. So it was three total. And the reason why it was a mistake was because it sold out in 13 seconds after the public sale. The problem though, is like, those weren't humans. So we only had like 60 for sale, 70 for sale when it was like 6,000 something sales. And then when we got to 8,128, we had like a thousand for sale. And I think we should have just let it sell out the way it was going to sell out and apologized that there was no public sale. Because I think we would have had more diamond hand holders if we would have done that. I think like we missed out on that. And it's fine. Like we've gotten most of the, like the non-diamonds out of the community. But I think we could have done a better job on that. No I, losses, one, only lessons. Yeah, it's a good lesson to know. Like, honestly, I think people are like, oh, we need to have a public sale to be fair. And, and at the end of the day, as long as you have a way to get on that, like allow list in a, in a fair way, I think that's fine. I think, you know, taking that, like the guilt of like, or whatever, because it's you, it's right, at least right now, until you can find a way to get the bots out of the game, it's usually bots to some degree. Interesting. Well, that's fascinating. All right. So a couple more questions, two more questions from my side. So yeah. this is completely flipping out of NFTs for a second. So favorite business tool, not called upstream. Probably my iPhone. Okay. Right? All right. No. That, that opens things up quite a bit. <laughs> no, I would say Twitter. Okay. Twitter DMs. Twitter's like probably the best professional network. I agree. I've said that quite a bit on this podcast. And favorite business book. Favorite business book. You know, I have a lot of favorite business books, but I'd say the one that had the most impact on me in the in the recent future, in recent history was actually Peter Thiel Zero to One. Mm. Now, whatever people think about personally, the person, whatever, but the book really expands your mind in terms of like how to approach starting a business. And I read it when we were in between Social Rank and Upstream before we had the idea of Upstream, and it really just got me thinking bigger. So I would recommend just checking it out. It's just a, it's a really, I mean, the guy knows what he's doing. Got it. Very clearly. Here's another one for you. Okay. Final one. Favorite NFT that's not Illuminati NFT and not ape. Okay. Favorite NFT that isn't Illuminati or the, mm-hmm. and one of them is Knights of DJ and my buddy Drew. Love, love them. I think, I think there's something to be said about like a sports, like besides Dapper and NBA Top Shot, there's no real like sports NFT. So I really, I think that they, they have a really big opportunity. Other favorites that aren't mine. Hold on. Let me look at my open C for a second. It's a good question. I like everything. Let me see my oldest stuff. Let's see what I've held on for the longest. I mean, I have a punk that I love. You know, probably Zed. 
uh, horses horse racing yeah i honestly think play to earn and gaming is the way to if you want to make a thousand x this year that's how you do it gaming and yeah play to earn and gaming is just gonna explode because like think about it axie infinity massive company it's a shitty game like it's a pong it's the pong p- p- play to earn like <laughs> pong's fun it's like it's but it's very basic and that's not like to knock them or anything. I'm sure they're great. I don't know them, but I'm sure they're great people and they work really hard. But it, like, it's very, like, I just think there's going to be a lot of complex play to earn games coming out that are really cool and that people can make money on. And it's just going to be like this massive gold rush this year. Yeah. That's my bet for 2022 is like the, the thing, the catalyst this year are going to be play to earn games and Coinbase. Yeah. 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 By the way, we've had Jiho on this podcast before too. So check out that podcast. You know, it's, and by the way, this is not financial advice for anybody here. Um, <laughs> yeah. It is what it is. Um, do your own research. Yep. Do your own research. So Alex, this has been great. What's the best way for people to find you online? AJT on Twitter. That's probably the best way. My DMs are open. Always happy to chat with people. And yeah, check out Illuminati NFT. If you want to, you know, we, we actually released something called the golden apple that like anyone can mint for free, just like as a intro to NFTs. So check that out. And then check out Upstream. I mean, if you're interested in starting a DAO or learning more, just go to upstreamapp.com and hit me up. Cool. All right. This is the future, everyone. Alex, thanks so much for doing this. Thanks for having me, man. You may have completed this level, but many more bosses await. If you're looking to level up in marketing or business, just go to singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up to get access to our individual and team training programs. That's singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up.